This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what, that was a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. Welcome to your Monday afternoon Fantasy Football Today podcast. Adam Azer and Chris Towers here. If you're watching on YouTube, hit that subscribe button if you're listening. Uh, also, go to YouTube and hit the subscribe button, youtube.com slash fantasy football today. We've got five big topics. We'll bring on Jacob Gibbs in a little bit. We're going to talk about Michael Thomas. He could be back this week. Yay! Woo! And we're going to talk yeah. about <laughs> are Chuba Hubbard and Josh Jacobs trustable? Obviously, you have a, a bit of a shelf life on Chuba Hubbard, we hope anyway. But can you trust him in the meantime? And what about Josh Jacobs? Uh, we'll talk about the quarterback position on the whole, some second-half breakouts, and hopefully, if we have time, the Chicago Bears backfield. Well, Chris, last Monday night was so incredibly fun, that Ravens-Colts game, the overtime thriller, the yes. wins and the losses— what fa- it's what fantasy football is about, so I hope we get it tonight. But just in case we don't, let's pretend that Sunday night. Well, Sunday night was great too, right? Overtime, Alex Collins, yeah, Deontay Johnson. Yeah, that was a game. <laughs> that game happened. What did you For think sure. of it? Well, let me ask you this: DK Metcalf, Chase Claypool, and Tyler Lockett. How much faith do you have in them going forward? Oh, faith isn't a word. I think you should use in this context, Adam. Um, faith has positive connotations. Look, I, I think you probably, I think you probably start Metcalf. You probably start Claypool moving forward. But this is, you know, I, I, we talked about it. I think, I think it was on Sunday show before, or maybe Thursday when we weren't sure if Tyree Kill was going to play, and we talked about how Mikael Hardman wouldn't necessarily just step into a bigger role. Um, you know, Claypool is in a little different situation because he was mostly only playing in three wide receiver sets. So when the Steelers went to two wide receivers, he was typically off the field before Juju Smith-Schuster's injury. That'll be different moving forward. That was different last night. Um, and he had seven targets. He just only was able to catch two of them. I think if he's getting seven targets per game, he's probably going to be a top 24 wide receiver, top 30 wide receiver. But there are going to be Games like this, because he has a bad quarterback and he has a, you know, not always downfield role, but more of a downfield role than Deontay Johnson, certainly. So he's going to be less uh, predictable and less um, consistent yeah. as a result of that. And Ben missed him <clears> on, a, on a big, uh, on an intermediate. Uh, no, I guess you call it a deep ball. It wasn't like a bomb. It was late in the game. He was open. But I think, Chris, you know, this this whole question here about these three wide receivers Metcalf, let, let's get the stats for you. Metcalf had six catches for 58 yards on seven targets. Yep. Lockett had two catches for 35 yards on seven targets. And Chase Claypool had two catches for 17 yards. They all had seven targets. Uh, we have a question later, who's a second-half breakout? And two of my favorite candidates to be breakout second-half guys would be Devontae Smith and Chase Claypool. But I can't... Mm-hmm. I, I mean, they have quarterback issues. And that just yeah. can't be overlooked, you know. So it's it's tough. Uh, I, I hope we, I'm hoping for the you know we'll get to the Seahawks in a second. So hopefully Wilson comes back sooner than later and solves this problem. Uh, but I I guess to sum it up, I still have I still think that Claypool and Devontae Smith, you want to limp, limp him in there, are starts most weeks. Claypool's played five games. He's had seventy or more yards in three of them. 
He played 84% of the snaps. I'm not sure if you mentioned that. I know you you know you mentioned the snaps went up. 84% of the snaps is really good, really encouraging. Just kind of had a bad game. So I, I have faith in him. I think he's a start most weeks. But, yeah, I mean, I think it's, you know, got to learn a little bit of a lesson here. I can't just throw all my weight behind talented wide receivers who are getting volume but have bad quarterbacks or inconsistent quarterbacks, I guess. Yeah, and it's... It's also the problem with like any discussion of one game of a wide receiver, even when they have a role role shift is it's not like Daryl Williams where you can just look at it and say, well, he got 25 touches. And so he's probably going to be a must start guy moving forward. If he gets that kind of role wide receivers, so much more goes into it because it's not just, you know, the quality of the quarterback play, the quality of the player itself. It's also defense. It's also just sometimes you, you win on a 50, 50 ball and sometimes you don't. And that can be the difference between a big week and a, and a disappointing week. And so the thing you want to look for if you want to be consistent with wide receivers uh, is have a process where you look at the quality of the targets they're getting, the, the volume of the targets, and just live with the ups and downs. Because there are going to be ups, there are going to be downs. That's true for every wide receiver in the league, except for, I guess, Jamar Chase and Devontae Adams. Um, no, no, so, Devontae's had a few... A few pretty disappointing games, actually. Cooper Cup. So just Jamar Chase. Cooper Jamar Cup. Chase. And, and no, Cooper Cup had one disappointing <laughs> no, game. No, right? he had like 100 no, yards. Or he had like 90 yards or something. Uh, okay, yeah. Pretty sure, right? Um, but like the problem with the Seahawks guys, Lockett and Metcalf, is a big part of their value came from playing with not just one of the most efficient wide quarterbacks I mean, we've ever seen in the NFL, but also an incredibly accurate and productive deep ball thrower. And so... Um, Geno Smith only attempted three passes more than 15 air yards down the field. That's going to be an issue. If he's not going to be aggressive, and he probably won't be, certainly not to the extent that Russell Wilson is, it's going to make it a lot harder for Metcalf and Lockett to have those boom games. They're still going to be good ones, but um, they're not going to be nearly as productive or predictable as they were. I think Metcalf is a more like a number two wide receiver moving forward, and Lockett I think I'm going to have him around 30 to 35 most weeks. Yeah, that's, I think that's probably the safe bet. They have the Saints, then the Jaguars, and then a bye week, and then hopefully they're going to get Geno back after that, or sorry, Russell Wilson back after that, but we just don't know. Uh, meanwhile, you were absolutely right about Cooper Cup. He did have a bad game against Arizona. He did have 13 targets in the game, but five catches for 64 yards. He's been over 90 yards every other game. Um Okay, and then the running games. Obviously, Najee Harris is a must-start. He's a stud. He's looking great, even behind the offensive line. Top, Your, yards top per carry. Three. My, no. Maybe, maybe, yeah. I don't I mean, think so. Maybe. Who's better? Christian McCaffrey's not playing right now. I'd take, Cook, Henry, sure. I'd take Cook, Zeke, Henry, Eckler, probably Aaron Jones. Really? Zeke over him? Yeah. Oh, yeah, why not? Aaron Jones? I mean, Najee Harris is 100 yards, what, three straight games? He's on pace for over 100 targets. It, you know what, Chris? He's, it doesn't matter. He's in the tier. Ultimately, it doesn't matter. He's in the tier. He's top three for me. He's top six. He's he's one of the... Uh, never mind. It's just the offensive line really stinks, and he, it's not like he's running the ball so great. I think that's the only thing, but no. it, he's terrific uh, for fantasy, absolutely. Um, and he's a great player. I mean, he's if he had a great offensive line, he could be tearing up the league. Uh, Deontay Johnson... running back in fantasy if he had a good yeah. offensive line. With this role, Absolutely. 
Deontay yeah. Johnson's a star. We know they're a fantasy star. And Alex Collins had a great game. You know, he had four carries for 19 yards in the first half. Pete Carroll said he wanted to run the ball in the second half. They came out. They ran it right down Pittsburgh's throats. It was it was really cool to see. Very physical. And he ends up with 101 yards and a touchdown. But he might not play this week. Rashad Penny is coming off IR. So we've got a lot to talk about, especially on tomorrow's waiver wire show. Uh, and let's uh, let's go forward to that. First of all, the newsletter. Chris writes the CBS Sports Fantasy Football Today newsletter. It's definitely not called that. It's just called Fantasy Football Today, I think. But um, the FFT newsletter, Chris writes it. And please get it right into your inbox. Go to cbssports.com slash newsletters to subscribe for that and all of our other newsletters. Injury updates, starts and sits, trades, everything delivered right to you every morning and sometimes in the afternoon. So it's, it's good stuff. Uh, please check it out. Mm-hmm. All right, now, who are the running backs that you want to add off waivers? We got Kareem Hunt's going to miss at least three weeks, probably more, with a calf injury. He's going on IR. Nick Chubb might be able to play this week, but maybe not. They've got a Thursday game against Denver. So we got the Ernest Johnson. We've got Antonio Gibson getting an MRI on his leg. We've got Latavius Murray getting hurt, and Devontae Freeman and Le'Veon Bell getting a bigger role, mostly Freeman until the final drive. Uh, we've got Alex Collins now questionable, and Rashad Penny perhaps coming into play against the Saints, who have been a great run defense so far. Uh, but they do give up fantasy points to running backs, give up some touchdowns, some catches. Which running backs do you think are interesting on waivers this week? Um, I think, so most of the backups who were really good this week were widely or widely rostered. I, what is Alex, did you say Alex Collins' roster rate? Co- uh, I can tell you, but I th- uh, 81%. Because I I don't I don't think you sent the notes again. I didn't send them again. I think so. It's okay. Uh, <laughs> I have not received them. Okay, I'll send least. it. He's he is eighty one percent rostered. Yeah. So like him, uh, Khalil Herbert, those guys were all awesome, and none of them really uh, are available. So I think Dearness Johnson has to be the top running back and potentially the top player on waiver wire um, for week. Seven. I'm not sure how good he's going to be. Dearness, who'd you, know, you say? Really Dearness Johnson? Dearness Johnson. We don't have a really long track record with him. He has been effective when he has run the ball in his career. I think he's above five yards per carry or right around it, but it's only 45 attempts or something like that. So, you know, there's not a lot with him that we can uh, go on, but he figures to be the lead back. I think Demetric Felton is also worth looking at. And I think I would probably prioritize both of those guys over... Certainly any of the Ravens running backs, because I just don't have any clarity on who it's going to be. Devontae Freeman played, you know, like you said, he did most of it. You know, they got Le'Veon Bell involved in the fourth quarter and and all that. But he, um, you know, Freeman was only like 30% snaps. And I think that's probably going to be the case moving forward. You do? I think Chris Evans is an interesting flyer. I think Tyson Williams is an interesting flyer. I wonder if they go back to him. I know he was inactive two of the last three games. Maybe he's but... been inactive two of the last three weeks. So like, I, I don't, I just don't know. I, that, that's really the thing is that I just have no idea if they view him as that kind of guy. Why would they have him inactive? You because know, maybe, they had Latavius Murray. I think Le'Veon, if Le'Veon, yeah, if they, they if Le'Veon and Freeman, I think they need to be added to the active roster this week. I think they've been on the practice squad long enough that they no longer, you can have someone activated from the practice squad, I think three times before you have to add them or uh, I think you have to let them go after that. So 
yeah, that'll that'll be interesting to see if they keep both of those guys. Um, well, I can say, let me say, yeah, maybe Tyson Williams. This, these are the kind of waiver wire weeks that I really don't like because, no, first of all, Felton. Uh, I mean, it's not uh, not Felton. Dearness Johnson. If you told me Chubb was out, then yeah, I mean, I'd be rushing to pick him up to face the Broncos. Very good run defense, uh, but you yeah. know how the Browns want to operate. But Chubb might play, so that's really a tough call there. And then who wants like who wants to pick up Devontae Freeman and Le'Veon Bell at this point? Even on the Ravens, don't forget they faced arguably the worst run defense in football in Week Six mm-hmm. against the Chargers, and you know they had some success. Uh, who who wants to really invest? Who's going to really believe in these guys? So I hate these kind of weeks where you have to take flyers on these uh, unappealing players. But there will be some options. But the problem is, the problem is you probably have to. Yeah, sure. There are some really, really big names on by in week seven. Obviously, we have all of the injuries that we're still dealing with, but trying to pull it up, man. We got Najee Harris and Zeke and Eckler. Yeah, Buffalo. (laughs) So Zach Moss and Devin Singletary, who are fringy, but then Austin uh, Austin Eckler, Najee Harris, Dalvin Cook, Ezekiel Elliott, and James Robinson are all on by. Yeah, you've got you've got uh, like five of the top ten running. Yeah, it's that's wild. Right, so you're going to need some running yeah. backs this week for sure. All right, we'll, we'll break it down. Hopefully, we'll have more uh, info for you tomorrow when we do the waiver wire show. So, oh, uh, did you mention Washington? I mean, I, that's the thing. Like, Jarrett Patterson, I don't really think, as of now, I don't really think I, I'm interested. Or I, I'm interested enough to pick him up, but I, I'm not spending more than like 10% of my original fab on Jarrett Patterson. I really think it's going to be J.D. McKissick more so. Yeah, but J.D. McKissick's probably not going to get more than like 10 or 11 carries. Did he have any games with more than that last yes. season when Gibson was out? I'm looking at the game log now. You tell me. I think he was in the 12 range. It was the, he, Gibson got hurt in the Pittsburgh game, and he missed the next two. He got hurt very early. Uh, his biggest game was 13 against Seattle in week uh, 15. He had 11 the week prior. Right. That was the only double-digit carry games that J.D. McKissick had in 2020. Yeah, and that's so. where I think he'd be. And then Patterson would probably be in the same range. But if he's not, I don't think he's going to yeah. catch a lot of ball. You know what I mean? It's like, what is it? What kind of a play is it? I don't mm-hmm. know. Okay. Uh, we've got Russell Gage. No, it's this This might be the worst the running back position's ever been. Like week seven of this season. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there must be another time. But like, it is a disaster Yeah. right now. Uh, Russell Gage back at practice and Calvin Ridley back at practice. Dak Prescott hurt his calf. He it, it, reportedly, I mean, he's going to be fine after the bye week. Uh, and also he threw for the most yards ever against the Bill, Pel- Bill Belichick Patriots team. Two quarterbacks could be on their way back this week. Terod Taylor and Ryan Fitzpatrick. Terod Taylor was very good in a game and a half. And Fitzpatrick got beat up pretty early in that first game in week one. And Lane Johnson, that's big for the Eagles. Right tackle, missed three games, dealing with uh, focusing on his mental health. He'll be back this week. Well, he'll be back at practice. I haven't seen if he will play. I assume he will. Uh, Richard Sherman will miss a few weeks with a hamstring injury. And this is something that if we had, even if we had a lot of time, we could, we could maybe talk about it going into next week. But it's something to keep in mind. I mean, a lot of the guys who were on the injury report late in the week mm-hmm. had bad weeks. And I don't know if that was coincidence. I mean, can, can you really hold it against Mike Williams when Justin Herbert really struggled? Um, but McLaurin wasn't yeah. good. Uh, who else? Kadarius Tony got hurt Kadarius on the Tony, drive. Kadarius you know, Tony had the setback. 
And um, uh, Justin Jefferson, you know, was a little below his standards as well. Although then the other thing you could add would be Adam Thielen had his best game of the season. Tyreek Hill had 76 yards on nine catches and a touchdown. So, yeah. you know, it, it was it was hit or miss. But yeah, like it's not like McLaurin's the one I'm probably least surprised with. And I, I probably should have moved him down in my rankings a little bit because he was added to the injury report on Friday with a hamstring injury. It wasn't something that he'd been dealing with. It was a new injury. And that's always a little more concerning, though. I don't think his role was uh, much smaller than normal in that game. Yeah, you don't know. You never know if it was just a coincidence or what. But I, I tend to ignore injuries with those guys play, basically. And mm-hmm. if, if the studs play, you know. And, you know, yeah. unfortunately, he got burned with Mike Williams and Terry McLaurin. All right, it's time for our five big topics. Waiting for Jacob Gibbs to hop on. Hopefully, he'll be on uh, joining us soon. I know he wants to talk about Michael Thomas. He was very excited to talk about the Saints offense. So we'll save that uh, until he gets on the show. And let's go with topic number two first. And that was from eMoney8191. Are Chuba Hubbard and Josh Jacobs trustable? Chuba Hubbard and Josh Jacobs were both started in 72 to 76% of leagues. Hubbard only had one catch. But he had 16 carries, 65 total yards, and a touchdown. Uh, Jacobs only had one catch, but he had 16 carries. Mm-hmm. And how many total yards? More total yards. He had 84, 82 total 82, yards. 82, but had 29 the, of them yeah. came on that one catch. Right. He had 16 for 53 and a touchdown. Uh, and yeah, do you think Chuba Hubbard, obviously, with McCaffrey out, and Jacobs are trustable going forward? I don't. I don't know what the word trust means, Adam. <laughs> I, I like in within this context. I have no idea. Like, this is what I'd say. Every time I yes, put Josh Jacobs, you have no choice. Every time I put J- Josh Jacobs in my lineup, I don't like it. I don't feel positively right. about starting Josh Jacobs. Sure, but but you'd feel worse if you didn't have him in your lineup, probably because there are no good running backs right now. I sat <laughs> there's, him there's like for. Khalil Herbert this week, this past week. That was the right call. I would Khalil not Herbert. do that this week against Tampa Bay. I would start Jacobs I, against that's Philadelphia. That's a tough one, man. Like If Damian Williams doesn't play, it's going to be really hard to go away from Khalil Herbert just because he's going to have so many opportunities. And even against Tampa Bay, I think it's going to be really hard for them not to give him the ball just because they really don't have anybody. You know, If Damian Williams doesn't play, I would expect Damian Williams will play, in which case I think you can probably... You'd like to avoid both of them. I think Williams would be a, a probably low end starter because he might have a passing game role. But um, no, I like you. You're gonna have to trust a lot of running backs that you don't want to this week, just because of the the nature of the position and where we are right now. And I think Hubbard is probably gonna have to be a top twelve running back. I, I would, I would be surprised if I, I haven't done my rankings yet for for week seven. I would be surprised if Chuba Hubbard wasn't a top ten run. Oh, I love him this week. The Giants are just awful. They're yeah. giving up the fifth most points to running backs, four point six seven yards per carry to running backs. Um, and if you're going to get sixteen carries, and they, it's not like it's not like there's going to be a bad game script. I mean, maybe they don't, maybe they lose or something. I don't know. But it's not like they're going to be trailing, yeah. you know. And Hubbard's going to be out of the game. But I think his passing game role is a little concerning. Because yeah. it's been so inconsistent. It was like one catch. No, it was, yeah, it was uh, two catches, five catches, one catch. So I'm going to just guess he doesn't have that many catches, but I still yeah. think he's a must start. 
against the Giants, and then at Atlanta the yeah, next it was week. Three targets probably. on 41 attempts yesterday, which is a, a pretty small target share. Um, so no, I'm not expecting him to be, you know, certainly not Christian McCaffrey. And I think the Panthers are really missing Christian McCaffrey. This is not a situation. I mean, obviously, I think they always miss him when he was out, but. You know, last year, Mike Davis played well enough and had that passing game role that they trusted him in that, you know, you could argue that it was a huge downgrade, but not like a fundamental change in the way their offense operated. I think Sam Darnold is really, really pressing without that a, a safety valve because mm-hmm. yesterday, I mean, Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore must have had five drops between them, which really didn't help. But also, he's just forcing a lot of balls that he doesn't need to when he's pressured. And we're seeing a return of the New York Jets version of Sam Darnold, which is bad for the offense as a whole. But what did you see you know, what Matt Hubbard, Rule said? What's that? Matt Rule said they're gonna they're gonna run basically yeah. he said they're gonna run the ball more. Yeah. Yeah. So look no, you don't you don't want Darnold throwing thirty eight times a game. You no. know, they gotta so the, that's another reason to trust Hubbard. All right. So we trust Hubbard in the short term. Jacobs, you know, he's got yes. he's got uh Philadelphia he's got a great matchup, then a bye, then a great matchup. Do you yeah, trust, trust him? him? Yeah. I don't. I mean, he has been awful running the football. It's dis right, but he won't be that bad moving forward. Like he's he's not going to be a three point five yards per carry guy moving forward. And the the biggest takeaway from this one that would be concerning for me with him is that you know he only had the one target after having yeah. five targets in consecutive games for the first time in his career. Kenyon Drake also only had two, so it wasn't like there was a dramatic shift. It was. You know, they didn't throw to their running backs uh, as much. So hopefully that means Jacobs can at least be a, you know, a three to five targets guy moving forward, in which case I think he's probably going to be pretty close to a must-start running back. All right, we're going to take a break here. When we come back, we'll talk about Michael Thomas. And we will not have Jacob, unfortunately. Technical issues, he's unable to join the show. But he gave me some notes for to read so we can uh, we can talk about some, some advanced stuff uh, about Michael Thomas and the Saints passing game when we come back on Fantasy Football Today. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. We are back, and hopefully Michael Thomas is back this week. Jacob really is excited about Michael Thomas. He says, go get Michael Thomas. I've actively tried to trade for him wherever I don't already have him. He just is hoping that the Saints will pass enough for for his 30% target share to really matter. Sean Payton has allowed Jameis to be a bit more aggressive as the season has progressed. Uh, the Saints only passed 36% of the time in neutral situations in the first two games. That's very low. The past three games, it's up to 50%, which is not great, but it's better. Um, it was 61% in their last game. So that's the amount of times they were throwing the ball in neutral situations. It has gone up, and they're throwing the ball downfield more as well. So mm-hmm. that's important, and I, I don't wonder if that fits Michael Thomas. But I'll also say this on Jacob's note. You know, the first four games of the year for the Saints were really just kind of weird, at least the first three mm-hmm. games. They blew out the Packers. They got blown out by the Panthers. 
they went to New England. They had a defensive touchdown. They, it was just a weird game. They didn't have to throw. They kept throwing 20, 22 times a game. Yeah. Finally, they had more of a normal game in week five, and I think Jameis threw somewhere around 30, 32 passes. It was 30. And, and also, this is the problem, though. Taysom Hill got hurt in that game. So he didn't come off the field, uh, Jameis. Mm-hmm. So that is a huge issue for me is the Taysom Hill thing and it's the fewer pass attempts. But what do you think about Michael Thomas? And does it? we've seen Jameis unload some pretty nice deep balls. Is that going to fit Michael Thomas? Um, I, I don't think Michael Thomas is going to suddenly become DK Metcalf or anything. But part of the reason I was excited about him coming into the season was, well, one, I expected more pass volume than we've seen, which, you know, that's been wrong. But two... Jameis Winston is a much more aggressive passer than Drew Brees and certainly, you know, a a better deep ball thrower at this stage of his career than Brees was. So I do think there's going to be room for Michael Thomas to hit on more plays. I don't think he's going to have, you know, the 140 catches or whatever it was in, in 2019. But I do think we're talking about a guy who was actually pretty productive last season in not great circumstances, playing through that ankle injury for the most of the time that he was, uh, active and you know he averaged 62 yards per game, which isn't great, but I believe he left two of the games with that injury, and you know it was just he was never really healthy. I don't think so. I think the situation is going to be okay for him. I think he's going to be dominating targets. I think you know him and Alvin Kamara might get 50 percent of the targets between them, and that's probably the best thing for this offense. So, um, I'm not going to rank Michael Thomas as a top 12 wide receiver when he comes back, but I think. You know, in the top twenty-four range makes sense. You mean you, know, you mean this week? You mean the first week he gets back when you he comes rest, back? Yeah. Rest of season. So, what do you think? Yeah. Rest of season. Would you top rather 24. have top twenty-four? Would you rather have DK Metcalf or uh, Michael Thomas? I oh man, I think I'd rather have Metcalf, but that that could change with every week. Russell Wilson mits. Would you rather have DJ Moore or Mike or Michael Thomas? DJ Moore for sure. How about Chase Claypool? I think that's where it would be Thomas. Jamar Chase. Jamar Chase. Just to keep the Chase thing going. Chase Edmonds. Uh, uh, probably Michael Thomas. I'm not sure. <laughs> okay. Would you trade Daryl Henderson for Michael Thomas in a PPR league? Man, it, it, it'd be really hard to be able to trade a running back right now. I don't know if anybody actually has that luxury, but if you <laughs> do, I think I'd still rather have Henderson. The way they're using him is really, really valuable. All right. Uh, anything else to say on this topic, or shall we move on? I think we got it. I'm excited to have Michael Thomas back. Yeah, that's, me too. That's what I'll say. And I think you should be excited if you've stashed him because there's obviously huge upside there. And a really nice schedule, too. Right out of the gate. Seattle, Tampa Bay, Atlanta, Tennessee, Philadelphia. Good schedule. Uh, Alejandro says, talk about how QB in 2021 is much lower in scoring than 2020. Lots of QBs are underperforming relative to last year. Rodgers, Tannehill, Russell Wilson with his injury, Prescott, and that one I'd have to agree with, disagree with, and Mahomes, and again, I'd have to disagree with that one. Those guys are actually not underperforming compared to last year. Um, it was an interesting question. It, it, it felt a little bit like that, but then when I looked at the numbers... It's pretty similar. What is your, you know, comparing at least the top 12 QBs this year to the top 12 last year, what's your read on the situation? I mean, we've got 10 quarterbacks averaging 25 points per game. We've got 
13 of them averaging at least 30, 23 points per game. One of those is Tyrod Taylor. So you take him out. It's 12 who are averaging at least 23. Um, I don't think quarterback has been a disappointment. I think actually, if anything, streaming quarterback has been a pretty dismal experience so far. But there's also like, you know, Kirk Cousins is averaging 25 points per game. He's at number 10. I don't think we expect that to continue. Um, I, I could see it, though, because it's... It really, I could see it. It's really almost a full season now. It's going back to the last eight games of 2020, and he's right, just right, outstanding. But I, I don't think he's going to have... Like, he's on pace for... You know, he's got 13 touchdowns and two interceptions. I don't think that'll be quite as disparate. I think, um, you know, there, there's room for him to regress, although... He is like fourth or fifth in pass attempts right now, which is pretty impressive. Right, and um, that chain he averaged in those last eight games. I think he averaged thirty-eight pass attempts per game. Yeah. So that you know and, him and and Tannehill, I think, are not going to finish in the bottom five and pass the teams anyway. The Vikings and Titans are yeah. not going to finish bottom five in pass attempts this year. But then you look at like Jameis Winston's uh, thirteen in points per game. If you take out Tyra Taylor, that certainly doesn't feel accurate. It, it doesn't feel like Jameis Winston has actually been good. He's just had three really big games, I think, that don't look sustainable. Um, yeah. But, like, Joe Burrow has been really solid. The fantasy production hasn't been great, uh, but two touchdowns in every game, I think he's going to be very good moving forward. I think the problem is just that it feels like there's, like, 10 or 11 good quarterbacks and everyone else stinks. Um, I know that's not actually true, but there doesn't feel like there's that many guys you can trust. And I think that's the issue with quarterback is that if you've got Mahomes, Brady, Allen, Murray, Stafford, um, you know, even like, I, I guess the thing with her Prescott was the pass volume was low. And so there were a couple of games that weren't great, but like, I think generally speaking, there are, there's still that high end at quarterback and it's just, yeah. there does, there seems to be a large difference right now between those guys and everyone else. And it's made streaming especially difficult. Yeah. And, you know, this past week, uh, I thought Heineke was going to have a good week. Uh, yeah. Darnold's really fallen off. Uh, yep. Derek yep, Carr yep, yep. had two bad games probably when everybody went in on him and then probably and then mm-hmm. they started dropping him and he had, comes back with a good game. But Daniel yeah, Jones looking yeah, like yeah. he's kind of turning back into Daniel Jones potentially. Um Baker Mayfield hasn't been good. One thing I thought was really interesting, first of all, this this is important to note. Last year was the highest scoring year in NFL history. Yes. This is the second highest. But teams are scoring one fewer point per game less than they did last year. That's a pretty big drop. 24.8 Last year dropped from the start of the season. You know, yeah. that, it, the pace was slower later on. And the other thing I noticed was that if you look at the top 12 quarterbacks right now, if you remove Tyrod Taylor and you make Aaron Rodgers 12, this is per game scoring, per game. Uh, you make Aaron Rodgers 12 instead of 13. He's he's basic, He's like one-tenth of a point behind Tyrod Taylor. So mm-hmm. 11 of the top 12 quarterbacks right now per game were drafted as top 12. The one difference yeah. is Cousins has replaced Tannehill. Everyone else has, has hit, you know, some more than yeah. others. But yeah. We did a good job, not not us. We as a fantasy community did a good job drafting quarterbacks this year. Yeah. Yeah, no, it, it's... I don't know. It, it's been a real issue if you're streaming. And maybe part of it is that you could potentially have both, um, you know, Matthew Stafford and Jalen Hurts on your team. And so you're just frustrated with that situation because maybe you're not making the right choice every week or 
you know, we're, we don't have Russell Wilson now moving forward, so that makes it a little shallower. There seems to be a perception that Patrick Mahomes hasn't played well, but it's really just interceptions. We're seeing, you know, negative regression from his style of play. You know, he he he's always taken risks, and for the most part, he's gotten away with it. He hasn't gotten away with it as much this season, but he's also on pace for 51 touchdowns, so <laughs> I don't actually think there's anything to be that worried about. And I'll just end with this. If, if there's one gripe I could see about this, the high-end quarterbacks, uh, mm-hmm. particularly Josh Allen, Lamar Jackson, and Justin Herbert, it's been boomer bust kind of weeks. Not sure. that not like fifteen point busts, but like twenty, twenty-two point weeks or you yeah. know, eight, nine, thirteen points for for Jackson when he played pretty well last week. But then he had the forty-nine points. He had a thirty-three point game. So I think it'll even out. I think he'll be more consistent going forward. Mm-hmm. And I think the same with Josh Allen and the same with Justin Herbert. But that would be, um, I think, the only legit criticism. All right, here we go to the fourth question. Fourth big topic from Stott. Second half season breakouts. Who you got? Um, so Michael Thomas feels like an obvious one. I'll also throw in, I'll keep banging the drum for Chase Edmonds. Um, I think T. Higgins is a really nice second half breakout. We talked about him on the FFT video show earlier today, and there there does seem to be a little bit of concern. His production hasn't been there since he returned from the injury, but I think he's going to be just fine. I think the, the Bengals are probably going to throw the ball more in the second half than they have so far, and I think Higgins is going to be a very good fantasy player moving forward. And and if um, he is, I'm sorry to interrupt because I did want to talk about yeah. this. If he is, I think it's going to be because they have to throw more. And if they do throw more, if they're not the slowest paced team, yeah. then Burrow is going to have a great second half yes. because he's playing so well and he's got Agreed. the weapons. Um, it's just it's just the volume issue. But he's been he's basically been Aaron Rodgers. Since week one, Rodgers was terrible, but he hasn't had the huge yeah. blow-up game like Rodgers did against Detroit. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I think Burrow and Higgins are very linked because they just need to throw the ball more. Yeah, I think um, Darren Waller, I mean, I don't know how much of a hot take that is, but I think he's going to be better moving forward than he has been so far. I'm not worried about this slowdown right now. Um, I'll still go with Javante Williams. I, I still think that's going to happen at some point, although it's going to have to happen you know, relatively soonish, and I'm not starting him at this point, but I figure they've got to move on from Melvin Gordon and, and feature Javante Williams a little more. He looks much more dynamic. Um, so I'll go with him. I'll go with... While you think Sanders. about... Who? Uh, okay, let's talk about him, Miles Sanders. Uh, I know Heath is really, really high on Miles Sanders right now. One more thing on T. Higgins, because I think Jacob, Jacob actually listed T. Higgins as a second-half breakout. He's been mm-hmm. targeted on tw- on 23% of his routes. That's the highest rate among all Bengals receivers this season. He also has Pat, uh, Patrick Bateman now. Rashad Bateman, uh, yes. 27% target per, per route run in his first game. That's really high. So yep. uh, that's exciting. And then let's talk about Miles Sanders. The, it sets up for that. His, yes. his schedule, Vegas, Lions, Chargers. Chargers with, I would say, the worst run defense in football. Uh, it's sure really good. Like it. I don't trust it, though. I just don't trust it. It's It's been... Sure. It's it's like, I get it. I'm not, I'm not saying, yeah, I'm buying low. I'm you, you can buy low on anyone if you're not giving up anyone you like. But I'm just not... like I am really confident in Keenan Allen. The way you're confident in Darren yes. Waller yes. and Keenan Allen, apparently... We're all very confident in Keenan Allen. I'm not 
and Miles Sanders was never considered to be Keenan Allen, but I think everybody gets what I'm saying. I don't have that that confidence in the Eagles to give him the ball enough for him to score the sure. touchdowns when you when you still have Hurts as a threat near the goal line. So I just would be cautious. It's like it makes sense, and I hope it happens, but I, I can't be convinced of it. Yeah, the case for him is mostly just going from, you know, he's had the three games with two, seven, and nine carries, which were, you know, pretty much all high-scoring losses. Um, one against Tampa, one against Dallas, one against Kansas City. Those are, you know, not necessarily all tough matchups, but tough situations for a guy whose team is willing to go away from. So I think what the the hope would be just he continues to run the ball efficiently as he has throughout his entire career. And it's more like the 11, 15, and 13 carry games. Obviously, you hope for a higher floor and a higher ceiling moving forward. But if he can be more like 14 carries per game moving forward, I think he can be very good. And that feels realistic. I don't know if I expect it. I don't know if it's the most likely outcome. But I think it's entirely within the realm of possibility. And it gives him upside. One more breakout. I think it would be a pretty quiet breakout. I don't think it's going to be a league-winning one, but it could be a flex-worthy one. Teams tend to start featuring players that they like coming out of a bye. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe that's just anecdotal. I don't know, but it feels that way. Michael Carter starting to carve out more of a role, and yeah. hopefully he can you know give you some good games down the stretch. He doesn't have the upside that Javante Williams has, but the the players that typically really break out are rookies. You know, they are young players at the very least. So we saw it last year with basically every rookie running back. Carter might have that six-game stretch at some point. Let's hope. And final yeah, no, question. I, I think generally speaking, rookies, and especially like Elijah Moore is someone who who could have a second-half breakout. Um, I still think Rondale Moore, Moore is someone I who think I think so. will have a bigger role moving forward. And, um, you know, Bateman's another one. Tony, if he can get healthy. I think those kind of slow-starting rookie wide receivers, and you can even throw Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle in there, I think. Uh, the return of two attack of Aloha is obviously very good news for Jalen Waddle. I want to check roster percentage on one guy who I actually picked up in a 10-team league on Saturday, and that would be... 76% Kenny Galladay. Last time yeah. he was healthy at 116 yards, so mm-hmm. uh, don't, and don't overlook it. For him. what it's worth, I think Sterling Shepard's the top waiver wire target this week. I think he should be universally rostered. He's only 64%. I would pick up Galladay, though, first, if they were both available. I don't know about you. What would you do? Um, I don't know. Maybe. I, I Just the way Sterling Shepard's been used since he got moved into the slot. It's, what, nine targets or more in all three of the full games he's played? Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I love the way they're using him. Alright, last topic here. Timeshare in the Chicago backfield, and that would be very relevant with Damian Williams hopefully back this week. But Khalil Herbert watched all of his carries, very impressed. Uh, he's, yeah, he, he seems good. like a tough guy to bring down. Uh, made some yeah. really nice runs 19 carries for 97 yards and a touchdown against Green Bay. He has the what did I say yesterday? I think the longest running back carry against the Packers in the last 12 games, maybe 13, dating back to last year. What do you think? Timeshare coming back? Yeah, I think so, because that's what we saw in the first week, first of all, is is that when they were running the ball late in the game to try to seal away the win, it was Herbert who was getting all that work. Seven of his uh, carries came in the fourth quarter, I think. And um, so, yeah, I think this will be a timeshare. I think Williams will be the leader, and I think he'll have more touches and more valuable touches. But I think Herbert's going to be involved. The bad news 
given that it's going to be a timeshare, but just bad news in general. Buccaneers, 49ers, Steelers, Ravens in the next four weeks. And a bye week. Uh, and do they have a bye? Uh, yeah, it's Buccaneers, Niners, Steelers, bye week, Ravens. Right. Yeah. That, okay. That's right. And uh, so. here's the thing I think when Montgomery's back, personally, I don't expect a timeshare. Now, we'll no. see what happens at that point, but I would think they just go back to featuring Montgomery. Yeah. I know. I think it won't be a timeshare at all as soon as Montgomery's fully healthy. Maybe the first week he's back, they ease him back in, and that could be that week 10 game against the Ravens. Um, that was the initial report, at least. But once he's fully ready to go, and hopefully that's at least week 11 against the Lions, because whoo boy, um, I think he'll be the lead back again. So hopefully, you know, Williams comes back this week, and we just give it, it's easy to say, okay, sit these guys against the Bucks, and we can kind of see how it plays out. Yeah, and get a better feel for it going into uh, that San Francisco game. But I unfortunately might be hard to actually sit them. It might be, but I'm going to try my damnedest. Yeah. All right. Uh, Thank you, Chris. Really appreciate your time. Thank you all for watching and for listening. And uh, we will talk to you tomorrow with the waiver wire on fantasy football today. Make sure you listen to fantasy football today in five tonight. Chris and Dan Schneier will recap Monday night football and drop it uh, at 3 a.m. Eastern time in the podcast. Have a good one, everybody. See ya.